Ambassador Louis C. DeBaca leads the Office to Monitor and Combat Trafficking in Persons at the U.S. State Department. He tells us now about how the problem of human trafficking in Africa is being successfully addressed through cooperative law enforcement and political leadership. There's been some progress in West Africa on the issue of hereditary slavery, although it's slow in coming. We've seen some people who've been ordered, emancipated from their hereditary slave owners, who've received some money settlements. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about a, a practice, often with the Touareg community, of controlling people whose families have been enslaved for five, six hundred years by the same families. And so, you know, we're working with Mali, Niger, Mauritania, and other countries to try to change the cultural practice. But at the end of the day, we have to not only change the cultural practice, we also have to call upon the governments to impose the rule of law and to comply with Article 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which says no person shall be held as a slave. At some point, it stops being culture and it starts being a crime. And with slavery, that's not that hard of a decision to make. You know, one of the things that seems to be working in Nigeria, the fact that they set up the structure the way they did with police, social workers, and prosecutors, not just working in concert, but actually being co-located. So they are colleagues. They expect them to be out doing cases. The ministerial level working group supports them so that they can actually go out and get them. So structurally, it's, I think, a, a model for most countries in the world as far as how would you set up a national and regional anti-trafficking field program. That was not always the case in Nigeria. Nigeria was, you know, well on its way to being on tier three in the report, you know, plagued by, as it is in many circumstances, corruption, you know, weak rule of law, you know, other things that I think people are familiar with. But they worked with the American Bar Association. They worked with UNODC. They worked with us. They aggressively went out and found best practices. And by having this structure where you bring all of those actors together and then expect something of them, you've seen successes. So it is something that I'd like to see replicated and scaled outside of just Nigeria. I don't think this is lightning only striking once. I think it's a model that, that really should be looked at for other countries. Well, you know, Mauritius, very different scale, you know, an island country off of Africa. They're the other tier one country in Africa and a very different legal structure. I mean, it's a, a former French colony and so it has a civil law background as opposed to what we see in, in Nigeria. And yet the same thing, you had a country that was on tier two watch list, stagnant, and the combination of political will and then a willingness to go out and find law enforcement models that would work there. The differences you know, between the two, Mauritius is more of a destination country, whereas Nigeria is more of a source country. Um, and yet the Mauritians have really unpacked what their trafficking problem is. It's very easy, for, especially I think for small island nations, to, to look at the trafficking thing and think that it doesn't apply to them because the numbers are smaller. The numbers, when you're talking about these small island countries, just you know, you're talking about clusters of victims or dozens rather than hundreds. And yet, what we've seen is that every country has a responsibility under international law to address this. This podcast is produced by the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of International Information Programs. Links to other Internet sites or opinions expressed should not be considered an endorsement of other content and views.